Welcome to the Awesomers.com podcast. If you love to learn, and if you're motivated to expand your mind, and heck, if you desire to break through those traditional paradigms and find your own version of success, you are in the right place. Awesomers around the world are on a journey to improve their lives and the lives of those around them. We believe in paying it forward, and we fundamentally try to live up to the great Zig Ziglar quote, where he said, you can have everything in your life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. It doesn't matter where you came from, it only matters where you're going. My name is Steve Simonson, and I hope you will join me on this awesomer journey. If you're launching a new product manufactured in China, you will need professional, high-resolution, Amazon-ready photographs. Because Simo Global has a team of professionals in China, you will oftentimes receive your listings photographs before your product even leaves the country. This streamlined process will save you the time, money, and energy needed to concentrate on marketing and other creative content strategies before your item is in stock and ready for sale. Visit simoglobal.com to learn more, because a picture should be worth 1,000 keywords. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Hey everybody, Steve Simonson back again with another Awesomers.com podcast. And today is episode number 89 of our podcast series. All you need to do is run on over to uh, Awesomers.com slash 89 to find out some of today's show notes and details and maybe even a transcript. Sometimes we throw transcripts in for you, make them easy to search. So today is a different kind of episode. We call it Story Time with Steve. Now, uh, what this means is I'm going to tell you kind of a, a story and experience and then try to give you a couple takeaways or maybe uh, action steps that you can uh, think about as it relates to your own business, your own life um, uh, from this story. So this is this is a story that I'm going to tell you. And these stories are not in any particular order. It's just kind of what strikes my fancy uh, at the time. And in particular, today I need to record an episode so that we can keep the, the uh, publishing train running. Uh, as you may know, we've already published uh, 88 episodes. That's a lot. And we've done that in 88 days, uh, which is uh, <laughs> destroying my life, frankly. Uh, it's it's a lot of time and definitely is something that, uh, although I enjoy it when I'm doing it, the, the things that it's pushing to the side are uh, definitely uh, starting to add up. So, so my point is, uh, in story time, I'm going to just kind of take you through an experience that I had tell you why I thought it was important. And then, uh, of course, you'll be able to uh, investigate yourself whether or not you find that to be interesting. So first of all, this story uh, is back in probably about the 2009 range. Uh, I had helped a, a Chinese company buy some assets of a uh, bankrupt company, and they were moving those assets from an old lease to a new lease. So um, just in terms of context, they had to get out of the old lease in a relatively fast order. And when you do that, that puts a lot of pressure on getting a new lease. Now, this is a, a Chinese-owned company. They had no experience negotiating leases. They didn't know where to look. They didn't know what was uh, the right type of location or, or the types of things that should be contemplated. So uh, you know, this is a whole separate story, but let's just say they convinced me to help them. So I did. So uh, the first thing that we did is we needed, we wanted to uh, reduce the amount of footage required. So we only wanted to uh, lease a 20,000 square foot facility. So this was a, a light snack compared to the 60,000 feet uh, that the acquired company held. And we wanted to do that just for efficiency and, and to kind of have the, the fixed overhead be as low as possible. 
So with lower space, you're going to have challenges trying to squeeze everything in. But we, we felt confident with uh, our methods of stacking and racking that we would be okay. Uh, further, we had a team that was working out of the old location, small team, uh, maybe 10 people, and we needed them to move as well. And when you're trying to do all of this really fast, this is where negotiations kind of work against you. We'll talk more about negotiations perhaps in future episodes, but one of the the ideal situations if you're negotiating for something is to go into the situation where you can walk away, right? Where you can just say, nope, not for me, and you have time on your side. In this case, time was working against us. We did not have time on our side, and we needed to kind of get this dialed in. So that was something working against us and working for the the would-be landlords that we were checking out. So because this was 20,000 square feet, one of the little uh, tricks of the trade, if you will, is if you're setting up a, a warehouse and you're going to bring in a bunch of containers, it's smart to put it as close to the port as you can and skipping any way stations if possible. And I'll just give you a, a little English on that, uh, not to dive into too much detail, but you know, on some types of containers, you can overweight them in China. And then if they don't hit a weigh station in the US, then you're, you're probably gonna get away with a little extra weight on that container. Now, this is something not that I came up with, but this is what the Chinese factory was insistent upon. And so to meet their requirement, not having a weigh station in between the port and the warehouse was an essential component. Now, why do people overweight containers? Just as a little side note, they do it to get the lower cost per unit for shipping, right? Your shipping cost essentially stays the same, and uh, the number of units kind of increases because you added the extra weight in there, and that means the lower cost per unit for shipping. And we're talking about small percentages. Today, it's harder and harder to get that to work in China because they have much more enforcement with, with uh, weight restrictions inside of China for their, their roads. And we've had that, that strategy blow up on us later, just as a, a little aside where we were trying to ship a bunch of uh, inbound containers on on railways and a lot like somewhere in Texas they finally got weighed and had to be broken down into smaller shipments um, and that costs a lot more than the the, the simple saving so uh, one little lesson here is that you know as always beware of unintended consequences uh, the China factory was so insistent upon we we have to overweight these containers and they didn't really think about what happens when things go inland or when the enforcement happens in a bigger way. And ultimately, it ends up costing them more money. So uh, that's you know one little lesson is, uh, and, and this is one of my uh, axioms, is beware of unintended consequences. When you do something, it can have a, a reaction that maybe you won't like at the end of the day. So anyway, back to uh, looking for this location. So we found a few locations. And in this case, it was down close to the Seattle area. And uh, so we were going to bring things into the port of Seattle or port of Tacoma, and we were going to uh, land them in a, a little town called Kent or Taquilla, Washington, which is, for those Amazon sellers, uh, Kent is where Amazon just put up a huge facility. It's where Boeing has uh, long time had big, big warehouses, although they've surrendered some of those over the past 10, 15 years. They've had massive, massive aircraft construction down in the Kent Valley. So we found a few buildings, 
And we kind of zeroed in on one, and it, it, it actually was two spaces of 10,000 square feet side to side. And so we went to the landlord and we said, hey, uh, we would like this space, but we, we need to be able to drive our forklifts back and forth. So we'd sure appreciate it if you could just, you know, cut a big hole in the back of the building, you know, where the two areas are connected. Just imagine the back area, we've cut like a, a 20 foot uh, high by 20 foot um, wide hole in it. So the forklifts could go through. And uh, in actuality, one of the one side of the building we were going to heat and the other side we were not going to heat. So we put some of the just plastic um, that is kind of like draping plastic, little uh, sleeves of plastic, and then the forklifts can just drive right through them. They can see what's on the other side because it's clear and it keeps the, the temperature locked in. Uh, and we were willing to pay for the plastic stuff, which was a, you know, two or three thousand bucks. I don't remember. So we've got that big hole that needs cut out. And we said, hey, in the front, just put in a little door as well, you know, just so that the office workers in the front can get back. Uh, we were going to build a showroom in one part of the heated building and then have little offices in the other part to, to house, you know, five or ten people. Um, I think ten initially, and then it would go down to just office workers and then the showroom and sales team would be in the heated part of the, the main structure. So uh, anyway, long story short, we got into it with the landlord. They said, okay, great. Um, you know, we've finally agreed to a, a per square foot rate that was reasonable to us. And they said uh, it will be something like $35,000 for the construction that you want done. And as the landlord, we are willing to pay for that. Uh, so we'll just give you a $35,000 credit and then you you carry on and you you pay for it uh, going forward. And because I've done a lot of leases, I said no no no. Um, it's your contractor. They said they can have it done in you know forty five days. Um, they said it would cost thirty five thousand dollars. You manage them. Uh, we don't want to have anything to do with that part of it. The landlord pushed back a couple ways, but again, I've I've negotiated dozens and dozens and dozens of leases in my time, probably been a part of at least 50 or 60 leases uh, and lease discussions. And, you know, I just stood, stood strong. I said that that is one area you don't want to get. So this is one big key takeaway. If you're ever negotiating for a lease uh, and you want tenant improvements done, put those on the landlord, have the landlord do them and manage them. And you're going to find out why as we go farther into this story. Uh, but first, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we're going to uh, talk a little bit more about how this conversation and negotiation went with the landlord. We'll be right back after this. Catalyst 88 was developed to help entrepreneurs achieve their short and long-term goals in e-commerce markets by utilizing the power of shared entrepreneurial wisdom. Entrepreneurship is nothing if not lessons to be learned. Learn from others. Learn from us. I guarantee that we will learn from you. Visit Catalyst88.com because your success is our success. A giddy up. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Okay, we're back again, everybody. And we're talking about, uh, uh, well, we call it Steve's story time. And we're talking about an old lease that I was negotiating on behalf of a Chinese uh, factory uh, who had acquired this company. So remember, I said earlier in the story that we were under time pressure. We needed to move quick. But we had just kind of negotiated this tenant improvement work that was going to take, they said, 45 days, and anytime a contractor tells you a time frame or even a price, you know, you have to really treat that with suspicion because uh, 
Well, it's my experience that construction projects don't always uh, come in on time. And one of my other axioms is it always costs more and it takes longer. And that certainly was a, a factor here. So with the, with the landlord, we said, I tell you what, you guys be responsible for the tenant improvement work uh, because they're your contractors. They came in and gave you the bid. They gave you the timeline. And, uh, but we really need to get early uh, entry into this, uh, into this building. So give us the, the, uh, the right to go ahead and occupy right now. And we'll just stay in the little office area and we'll put some, some stock on either side of the building. We'll just keep our forklifts separate and try to load out of each side of the building for the time being. Very inefficient. In general, you want to have in a structure like that, you want to have inbound doors and outbound doors, and especially when you're bringing in inventory into two different areas. You, it doesn't make sense to try to run an in and an out on both sides if you don't need to. That's why we wanted the doors cut. But nevertheless, uh, even being less efficient, that was a way to begin. So we started moving truckloads and truckloads of inventory over. And I don't remember how many trucks, but it was you know, 30, 40, 50 truckloads of material from point A to point B. And we we're getting it all slotted in there. So we have this right of early entry. Now, one of the other things, as I said, again, all just based on experience, and I'm sharing that experience with you, is not only is the landlord responsible for the contractor's budget and timing, but we're not going to initiate the lease until the contractor is done and until we are completed with the, uh, the, the punch list, which is kind of the final checkpoint of a finished construction project. So once the punch list is done, then the lease will initiate. And we said, because you guys said it would only be 45 days to kind of hold your feet to the fire and let everybody know that the stakes are high, for every day that you're late delivering the facility, we want a day and a half of free rent, basically. Now, where did I come up with the day and a half? A day and a half is kind of an arbitrary number. You can ask for two days, you can ask for one day, you may get no days. But in our case, we agreed on a day and a half as a penalty for any day that went, uh, that they were over. So for example, if they were 10 days over, we would get 15 days of free rent. And this, just, this purpose, I'm sorry to stammer on you there, but the purpose of this is to get alignment uh, on the objectives with the landlord, the contractor, and the tenant. Everybody wants the, the contractor out of there as quick as possible. And the contractor, you know, they, they basically get paid on a bid basis. So they want to get out as quick as they can. And of course, the landlord wants to collect rent. So that's alignment of interest. So the big takeaway here is when you're negotiating, as long as things are in aligned with, you know, mutual interest, then it shouldn't be that hard of a, uh, a request. In this context, for example, when we said to the, the landlord, hey, we're, we really need early occupancy. This is a, this is a desperate you know, situation for us. We probably wouldn't use the word desperate, by the way. But we pointed out the urgency of the situation. They agreed, and that was kind of them saying, hey, we really want your business. We're going to give you early occupancy. We said, hey, we really want this construction to go fast. So um, you guys manage it. You handle your own contractor. and." As a little incentive, if you're late, you know, you got to give us some free rent. And so that will kind of make everybody again with aligned interest. So anyway, so we ended up moving in and got early occupancy. The contractor kind of <laughs> twiddled their thumbs. It took them a little time to get permits. And so they were probably, we were probably in the facility around 30 days plus before they even began. And they had 
they had estimated around 45 days for construction. So unless they can, can do the construction in 15 days, we're already going to be ahead of the game uh, when it comes to getting some free rent. And by the way, during early occupancy, no rent is due. So um, this, these are not uncommon things to, to negotiate and lease, by the way. None of this was, you know, something that, you know, I made up by myself. This is all just kind of experiential stuff. And remember that landlords, they think about the big long-term picture, right? So one of the, the countermeasures to that um, lease is the lease when it initiated, that's when the time of the lease, I don't remember if it was a three-year, five-year, whatever it was, but that's when the time initiated. <clears throat> Excuse me. So what that means is if they ended up having a lease, at, let's just say it took them you know, uh, a month to complete construction, our lease would initiate that month later, and that's when we would start paying rent, and, and that's when the lease, you know, 36 or 60 month term would begin based on that date. So the landlord's always thinking about long term anyway. All right, so anyway, as we get into the project, the contractor shows up and they say, uh, okay, we're getting started. They start doing some of the things that they need to do, and it was relatively light construction, right? Uh, the the quote they gave of thirty five thousand to kind of cut a hole in the back and cut a hole in the front. They were going to put up some little uh, uh, stub walls inside of the the new showroom area so that there was a, a very clear delineation between the showroom and the warehouse, and a little studio area. So it was a very basic uh, operation, and for commercial contractors. We didn't expect that it would be any big deal at all. In fact, it was still quite reasonable they could have it knocked down in 15 days. So anyway, they show up, they start working, they're going slow, and then, like, you can just tell the contractor, he's rubbing his head, he's frustrated. We're communicating with them every day, but they, they don't really tell us what's up at first. So finally, the contractor shows up, uh, he's got the... The landlord with them or the, the rental agent, uh, they use agencies and, and so forth to do leases of big commercial places. And basically they go, well, uh, it turns out that big wall in between the, the structures, that's a sheer wall. And uh, so we, we don't really want to put those, those holes in that we promised to put in, uh, you know, the big one for the forklifts and the little one for the people. And I'm like, well... I hear you. I don't know what a shear wall means uh, from a construction standpoint, but my impression is that it just means that you're going to have to reinforce it a bit. So, you know, say la vie, what are you going to do? Uh, you could tell I had my empathy on full blast that day. Um, so they didn't really get into any of the details. So anyway, they keep carrying on and now they're like, well, with the shear wall, it's going to take extra time. And, and we're saying, hey, we're going to stay out of your way, out of the construction zone as best we can. And we're living with the construction noise and whatever else because we had early occupancy, and it's fine. We've already gotten um, our internet and stuff installed. And, in fact, we started with some wireless internet just so we could get into business the very first day. And we were slowly you know, building up our infrastructure within the building. So to, to fast forward, uh, it turns out that uh, – well, actually, I'm going to take another quick break. And when I come back, I'm going to tell you – exactly how much money, or at least my best estimate for my brain, how much money the construction cost, how long the delays were, and what the net impact was in a financial sense to us uh, as the leaseholder right after this break. Hey, Amazon Marketplace professionals, this is Parsimony ERP, and we get one question over and over. Can you please tell me exactly what Parsimony does? 
Well, we'll try, but this is only a 30 second spot, so we're gonna have to hurry. Connect to your Seller Central account and pull all the new orders. Enter the orders with all customer data. Enter all of the Amazon fees and charges. Store them at the item level. Generate profit and loss reports at the SKU level. Automatically generate income statements. Handle multiple companies. Handle multiple brands. Handle multiple currencies. Facilitate budgets and forecasts. Store all customer interactions in a sophisticated CRM system. Manage your supply chain. Budget and task management. Maintain an audit log. Hey, you get it. That's parsimony, P-A-R-S-I-M-O-N-Y dot com. Parsimony dot com. We've got that. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Okay, we're back again, everybody. We're drawing story time uh, to a close here. But uh, I want to just set the backdrop again so you have full context. We moved to a new facility. It's about 20,000 square feet. Uh, we signed a, a longer-term lease. I don't remember if it was three years or five years, to, to be honest with you. Um, but it had some rights to extend beyond whatever the initial term was anyway. Uh, we got early occupancy. Uh, we also got you know some other things that they needed to do, like put in a, uh, a ramp and, and uh, you know just various little TI things. TI means tenant improvement. So the contractor got a quote for that and said, hey, here, we'll just give you the, a credit towards your rent. You manage the contractor and you, you just pay the bill out of the money we give you, which sounds perfectly reasonable, right? But because of my experience, I'm like, no, they're your contractor. They gave you the quote. You manage it. Give us early occupancy. And by the way, if you're late on construction, just give us a day and a half of rent credit for every day you're late. So bear in mind that during early occupancy, we're paying no rent. And during the construction, we're paying no rent because that's still early occupancy. And then if they're late at any time, then we pay rent only after the day and a half penalty has been assessed for any late days. <laughs> so uh, anyway, the contractor finally comes to us uh, not long into construction and goes, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but to, to do the sheer wall, to do all this stuff, the new quote, the change orders and the new estimate is closer to $250,000, which ultimately the construction ended up going above $250,000, despite their original quote of $35,000. So right off the bat, to get the, the project completed to our specifications, if we just took the 35,000 in credit, we would have been, you know, what is that, 215,000 in the hole if we had to continue to carry on with the construction or abandon our requirements, both of which are terrible outcomes for us, right? We wouldn't go into a location and sign a lease if we couldn't get it the way it needed to be to, for an efficient operation. And again, I've been around, I know what I'm doing, and. The, the more importantly, the team that was involved with setting up the warehouse, they're brilliant and they understand how to move things efficiently. We just, we really had a plan. So we said, no, landlord, you handle that and carry on. So now their, their construction costs around 250,000. And after nine or 10 months of construction, they've delayed us by at least 10 months. Um, it, it probably ended up being close to one year of a delay. So we had early occupancy the entire time the rate on the lease was somewhere around fifteen or sixteen thousand a month plus triple net, so it was probably close to eighteen thousand dollars a month uh, for the space. Uh, it, the space might have been bigger than twenty thousand square feet. It might have been fifteen thousand on each side. Maybe it's thirty thousand feet. Uh, whatever it was, it was a good rate per foot uh, for this location. And every month that we were going, we were saving, you know. Fifteen to eighteen thousand dollars, depending whether you want to include triple net. Uh, by the way, triple net is the. This was a, a building that was part of a long industrial complex, and that includes things like property taxes and 
the the lot maintenance and kind of the common things, roof maintenance, things like that, that are common between all the tenants. They call that triple net. And basically, if you're ever negotiating a lease, be very, very wary of triple net and make sure you understand it and uh, you know negotiate it away as best you can. So, so we're already, let's say around a year into this thing and we're saving 18 grand a month. So that's, you know, $200,000. We saved, uh, we, we missed the exposure of the 215,000 of construction overruns. And then because they're a year late, they had to give us a year and a half of free rent, right? So for every day, we got a day and a half. So that's another year and a half. That was another almost $300,000 worth of free rent. So Here's here's the takeaway. So by the way, if you do that, three hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, and two hundred fifteen thousand, you know you're at seven hundred fifteen thousand dollars roughly. Maybe my math is wrong. I'm just doing it in my head. But over seven hundred thousand dollars potentially of savings because we understood some of the the moving parts when you negotiate a lease. Now let me just tell you, the landlord hated my guts. They hated my guts because. They would come in and say, hey, um, you know, the construction's close enough. Let's just uh, tie this off and sign here and start uh, paying rent. And I would say, no, no, no. The construction's not done. Here's all the things you agreed to. They're not done yet. When they're done, we'll start. Be done tomorrow. I don't care. And what happened is, as always uh, in my experience, contractors get busy with other projects, and they didn't have any penalties for finishing late. So they would just get to us whenever they got to us. And again, they were a professional commercial contractor. I don't have anything against them. The work was fine, but they probably had lots of projects and it took them an awful long time to get the, get the job done. All of this is to say, and to reinforce some of those axioms. One, it always costs, long, costs more and takes longer. And two, beware of unintended consequences. Um, and, and fundamentally, you know, when we negotiate, we try to do it from a, a point of alignment so that all people are aligned, but not necessarily a point of fairness, right? I, I want to make sure that I'm honoring my fiduciary responsibility. In this case, it was a Chinese-owned company. They still really don't have a full understanding of the $700,000 that I saved them because they just, they're like, hey, uh, you got it under control. Take care of it. Thanks. Thanks for everything. Uh, but that was a massive, massive amount of money that I saved them. And, and ultimately, all of that, uh, the use of the facility and the time to build up the business and so forth uh, after the acquisition was really, really additive to that business. So uh, anyway, this has been Storytime with Steve. Uh, this is the time that uh, I saved $700,000 on a lease and, <laughs> and did it with, uh, I would say, a, a positive spirit, although the landlord hated me at the end. Uh, you know, it was it was plain as day. And, and th what I kept telling the landlord, uh, because at the end, things got heated, not at the end, when we were trying to initiate the lease, things got heated about, is the punch list done or not, right? We're right down to the details. And we were being, I thought we were being fair. They felt we were being unfair, to be honest. And, but I said, no, we're being fair. And what I know is fair is written down in this lease agreement. And I guarantee you, if for one one second of one ounce of one degree of anything on that lease. If we were out of compliance, they would have beat us down uh, like you cannot believe. You know, people will, you know, they, they always talk nice and, oh, this and that. But at the end of the day, it comes down to what's written on the contract. So don't forget that, you know, your rights are just as important as anybody else's. And that landlord who was trying to intimidate us and trying to, you know, browbeat us into kind of signing early, 
it's like honor your agreement and we'll honor ours. That's as simple as it is. And so uh, there you go. That's the moral of the story. You know, know what you want. Be very careful of things that could be unknowns, like accepting $35,000 for construction that ends up costing $250,000 or more. Um, be mindful of the, the timing and be mindful of just little tiny tweaks like early occupancy that may be able to help you get through, um, you know, a tense position. Okay, I hope you enjoy this story time with Steve. We are going to... Uh, uh, remind you that this is episode number 89 of the awesomers.com podcast series and just go to awesomers.com slash 89 to uh, see today's show notes and details. Thanks everybody. Empowering. The name says it all. Connecting e-commerce entrepreneurs with great people, ideas, systems, and the services needed to stay business dynamic and to grow. Empowery is a network, a cooperative venture of tools and resources to make you better at what you do because we love what you do. We are you. Visit Empowery.com to learn more. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Well, we've done it again, everybody. We have another episode of the Awesomers Podcast ready for the world. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that you've enjoyed our program today. Now's a good time to take a moment to subscribe, like, and share this podcast. Heck, you could even leave a, a review if you wanted. Awesomers around you will appreciate your help. It's only with your participation and sharing that we'll be able to achieve our goals. Our success is literally in your hands. Thank you again for joining us. We are at your service. Find out more about me, Steve Simonson, our guest, team, and all the other Awesomers involved at awesomers.com. Thank you again.